Hello, everybody, and welcome back to How Do You Hustle with Cami Dimitrova, a podcast where I interview comedians about their day jobs. It has since sort of transformed into a podcast where we talk about what the heck is going on during quarantine. So that's been fun. Been doing all the interviews via Zoom. Um, so maybe if I shout them out enough, I'll get a free subscription. I don't know. Just just uh, trying it out. Who knows? But um, yeah, hope everyone is staying sane throughout week 58 million of quarantine. Um Doing our best. I personally have ups and downs for sure. The past few days have been more downs than ups. Um, And the way that looks like for me is basically staying on the couch and watching reruns of Parks and Rec um, a bunch. And then if I watch anything scary, I uh, go into uh, deep uh, sadness. So (laughs) trying to keep it uh, light over here. But um, yeah, but today I'm feeling good, um, which is which is exciting. Um, so yeah, that's an update over here. <laughs> Hope everyone else is doing good too. Um, we have a really, really great show uh, this week. I'm very excited to introduce the one and only Andrea Coleman. Yes, she's amazing. Uh, she is uh, in Brooklyn. She's a comedian uh, from Virginia, calls herself a Virginia gal. Um, she's been featured literally everywhere. The New York Times, NPR, Time Out. She's an actor on UCB's mod team, Young Douglas. She's also a stand-up. She's performed at the Women in Comedy Festival, Austin Sketchfest, San Francisco Sketchfest. She's been featured at Caroline's, Gotham, and the Comedy Cellar. I mean, oh my goodness. She's also casually an actor. Uh, she was uh, working for the Orlando Shakespeare Festival and the Shakespeare Theater Company in D.C. She's also written medium articles that have been viewed over half a million times casual. And when she's not doing literally all of that she is a full-time lawyer oh my god um like literally practicing and doing the law if not in a courtroom outside of the courtroom like she's just amazing um she hosts a a show called whacker woke uh andrea coleman judges the law which is a live uh law comedy show where she uh where comics judge funny funny laws um so yeah she's doing that um, pretty amazing. And on the episode, we basically talk about um, her trajectory and like how she how she pursued comedy and law and like how she decided what she wanted to do. At first, she will really want to do theater, got into her dream school for theater at NYU Tisch, didn't end up going. She wasn't able to go. So she uh, went to uh, a different school and started falling in love with law and um, decided to pursue that full time and went to law school, passed the bar. And then as soon as she did all that, her first job out of law school was working for a Shakespeare theater company in Orlando. So, um, yeah, it's just, we basically just talk about, uh, how she followed her gut and sort of did the things that interested her and wasn't too worried about the outcome, just sort of followed her heart and did what she loved. Uh, and now she's just kicking ass in all ways. Um, so I was really inspired, uh, and excited to talk to Andrea. So without further ado, the one and only Andrea Coleman. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing it. Oh boy, we're doing it. We're doing the pod. I'm so happy that you could do this. I know we talked about having you on the show and then I think like just time happened and life happened Mm -hmm. and then like whatever, but now, now we're, you're here, which is great. Awesome. Yeah. Ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Ready to go. Cool. Um, well, I mean, you know, why don't we just start by like checking in? (laughs) Yes. That's what's up. I feel like everyone's just so confused right now. We're all just like, what's <laughs> happening? I'm not too sure. Is right. this the new normal forever? Like, how are you right. doing right now? 
It, it varies day to day. Like I was feeling some like depression come up for me mm-hmm. um, like a week or so ago because I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, like a psychologist, but I just feel <laughs> sure. like, you know, depression kind of comes in waves. And so I'm sure it didn't help that, um, that we were dealing with like the coronavirus and, um, just like the feelings of what is going on in life. Mm-hmm. But then I think I also felt like um, some pressure because there's a lot of comics. Like I'm an, I feel like I'm an older comic. And so my relationship with technology, I don't think is the same as like most of the comics that I like connect with. Sure. And so I feel like they were like raring to go and like, okay, these are all the platforms I'm going to use. And, Um, I think I felt like this pressure of like, am I supposed to be like creating shows right now? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like, it feels like people are ready with how to like, if not monetize, at least like utilize this, this new situation. And I don't feel ready and I don't feel even a desire to do anything. Like, yes, um, I just didn't really feel like I wanted to be doing any comedy. Um, sure. I just kind of felt like I needed to take a take a minute, and um, and I wasn't getting many minutes. <laughs> so, sure. Um, I was just feeling kind of sad and bummed out. And then, luckily, a couple of like comedy friends posted on Facebook like that they, they were feeling similarly, which helped me. I was like, okay, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then as always, like my mentor says this too, like everything you're looking for is in the connection. And so mm-hmm. I started like connecting with people and that helped like getting on, like just connecting with like groups I'm in or just like people sure. getting on the phone. And it just, I think it helped the depression lift for me. And, um, and then I start, started feeling less pressure. And then also to be honest, the thing that helped was like forcing myself to do something I did not want to do. Sure. Which unfortunately is like the key. I mean, you know, the right kind of thing you don't want to do, but like doing stuff where I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, why does everyone leave me alone? <laughs> um, like I was supposed to do a live show and okay. then they converted it to a like live stream. And I was like, they're like, okay, great. Can you do it now that it's, um, a live stream and I wanted to be like, no, I'm depressed. <laughs> Don't ask me to do anything. I cannot. Um, I cannot do the live stream right now. Um, and then my boyfriend, <laughs> my boyfriend had also gotten really injured on a ski trip. And oh, so he, shit. He, Is he okay? He, he's okay. Like we found out that he needed to have like emergency surgery. Oh my God. And um, I mean, he's like, it was it was on a, it was on one of his fingers. It was, and so it was, it wasn't like, like he wasn't able to walk, but it was more just like, I don't have like, you know, we don't have time to relax right now. Like we just got back from the trip. So we got to schedule doctor's appointments and plan a surgery. And so I was just like, I don't have time. And so, um, but anyway, I forced myself, I said yes. And I did the the show and right. as I think is the case with um, with performers, it's like performing feels amazing. And yes. so I was like, oh, this is great. Like, so I think forcing myself to like go forward with like 
performing actually made me feel a lot better too. That's fantastic to hear. What was the live stream experience like? Just curious to know. I haven't watched any of the shows because it gives me so much anxiety. Yeah. But yeah. What, is, um, what was that like? Was there like an audience or... Yes, there was an audience. There was a huge audience. Really? And I say this, I can say this because I wasn't one of the producers. So it wasn't because of me, but it was, it was a risk show, a risk podcast. And so they have a huge following or like Great. a very successful show. And so they, and they, they were going to do a live event, but they've got um, supporters and like fans all over the world. So wow. people that normally would not have been able to be there were there. So there were like hundreds of people oh. on this thing. And I was what? like, Oh, so it's more than a bar show for sure. Right, and right. more than something that you do at even at union hall, which is an amazing venue. So sure. I, um, it was, it was scary because like what I love about performing is, you know, feeling the audience yes. and like you're performing and like the audience, you're like feeling their energy, yes. hearing even the little like moments of like three people laugh and it's like, Oh, that's all, you know? So you, you can't really feel that. And so the way they did it was you couldn't see the audience members. Um, you couldn't see their video, but you could see the numbers. Like you could see how many people, how many like computers were on um, and you couldn't hear, they also muted the audience, but they oh. didn't mute, right. So they muted the sound of the other storytellers. So um, you could hear the, your other, your fellow storytellers laughing, which was helpful. Good. Um, but like, it was a little bit weird. And I think like just weird cause I'm not hearing the audience. Right. Um, and you said you can't see them either, see or hear? No, wow. no. Wow. But, you, but, they, but they did have a chat function cause we use Zoom. So they had a chat okay. function. And so sometimes <laughs> the audience would like write things during oh, cool. the performance and so but I covered that part up because I was like <laughs> I cannot get distracted like what if somebody says something and then I change my story just to answer that question or something crazy because I wanted to be honoring of the time sure and sure, so sure. like I um and so I think this things went faster than when I've told that story live other at other events like it went faster I think because I wasn't pausing for laughs that much yeah and I also was just like I think um I think I found it a little bit harder to uh trust what was happening because I couldn't really feel or see or hear what was happening with the I audience mean, yeah and that's such a big part of performing <laughs> as a comedian is feeling out the audience and being like cool do I like, lean into this bit and riff on it mm -hmm. or do I like freeze past <laughs> it and like go like what is up <laughs> like, exactly exactly what is the room like the room is such a big deal it's like the biggest deal I it know I know so weird that is so funny oh god you're probably like breezing through it too because you're like get me out of here but no but <laughs> <laughs> I mean luckily like the thing with the storytelling show that I feel like is in my experience different from stand-up is I find storytellers to be like insanely supportive and loving and the storytellers I was on the show with they'd never heard my story before oh, cool! so that was helpful so they were definitely like laughing and even um I think had to be told like kind of like don't laugh so hard like move away from the uh the screen a little bit because if you laugh too much then it might affect the audio but yes um, right I, 
I know <laughs> I had the experience listening to my fellow storytellers. I was like, oh my God, this is great. And so when I get excited, I not only laugh, I start clapping, um, which <laughs> is too. apparently, I don't know. Like it's what we do. And so <laughs> I, so I was like, oh shit, stop. You know, and even cause my boyfriend like joined in to watch the story. Like after I told my story, he kind of came in the room and like sat and listened to the storytellers as well. And so uh-huh. we kind of, there was one moment, a storyteller and we were like loving it. And he was like, oh no. And I was like, it's okay. Shh, shh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's okay to react, but not too much. <laughs> No failing of the limbs, just smiling. <laughs> smiles are good. Keep it to a bare min, though, boyfriend. Exactly. <laughs> Reel it in. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, it's like this weird, like experimental, just like era of performing. That's I'm part of me is like, ooh, like cool new thing, but also like, mm-hmm. mm, no, I don't know. It scares me. But. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to talk to you a little bit more about like that hesitation to join mm-hmm. this new kind of community mm-hmm. that's forming of, I mean, it did, I think you were absolutely spot on to say like it happened right away. I felt like it was like coronavirus and then like live shows happened. Like right. I was like, what? It's like someone just had like a green button ready to go. and They just like pressed it. I'm like, how do you know? I know. Like, did you have a a file folder already with this idea? Like, like like ten ideas, just like ready to go. (laughs) I'm like, what are you people doing? It's crazy. I didn't feel ready, and like, because I'm all, I'm in two, I'm on two sketch comedy teams, right? One with UCB, and then one with um with Armory. Mm-hmm. And they were also like the, like the leadership or like my fellow members kind of being like, okay, like let's start creating some content. Like, let's like brainstorm ideas. And I was like, not to be a bummer, but I kind of just want to kind of lay on the couch. Is that an option? <laughs> like, I don't want to be a jerk, but cause right. we were right in the middle of, we were about to start like the, for my UCB team, Young Douglas, like we the writers had written their um their sketches for the show we were supposed to do at the end of march and we were supposed to go into like rehearsals mm-hmm. like that like that week or something and, oh wow um, and so i was like uh i i don't know like there was something about um the fact that it wasn't going to be it, i just did i felt kind of like I don't know if I want to do this. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, I don't know why I'm feeling emotional about creating online content. Whereas if it's a live show, it's like, okay, let's great. Let's go to the rehearsal and, you know, memorize my lines. And I think it's the connection piece because like, I like the physical connecting, like in a room. Yes. um, I think that's a big part of it for me. I, I think that's exactly right because I like, I I feel the same exact way. And I think there's something about, well, like exploring why is it that like, okay, if you had this schedule in person, you would abide to, you know, you would do it. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. suddenly that it's like shifted platforms and it's way more like just like siloed and, you know, like isolated. Why is like, you know, why is there hesitation there? And I think you're right. I think it's like not having that sense of community and like being physically with people because there's something so electric about being with people on stage and like sharing that space with people and then not having that. You're almost like, what's it for then? Like, what's the point? You know? Yes. Yeah. And I, and I felt like, like it was like a, 
a dirty secret. Like I felt guilty <laughs> that yes. I was like, um, I don't kind of want to do it. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't want, I feel guilty saying that, but I'm like, what are we exactly what you said? Like, what are we doing it for? Like, I don't, I don't know. Even though strangely more people right. can see it if we do it online. Right. And I'm like, right. no, I kind of care more about the people in this room than yes. I do about the general, like, you know, idea of like the internet. I, I yes. don't know. Yes, because it, it's, oh, yeah, it's so complicated and hard. And it's, I think, because it's new, it is hard to define. Like, why is it that it feels so weird? But like, yeah, there's something about not like the live audience, feeling that warmth, feeling a sense of connection with everybody. I think being in a room with 30 people feels better than being like on a chat with a thousand for some reason. Yes. You know, like, yeah. There's just, and, it's different. But you, I, you know, I have to acknowledge like when I, you know, after the risk podcast, like after we told our stories, they did like a Q and A and then the, um, the audience members could like write questions in the group chat. And, um, and that felt awesome. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like there's people out there and they're listening <laughs> and there, some people were even just commenting. Cause I told a story, uh, where my boyfriend played a prominent role and then he was sitting next to me on the video and they're like, oh my God, is that him? And that's so great. And like, it just felt like, I was like, oh, this is connection. Okay. I like this. Like, sure. It feels good. Um, sure. I mean, maybe there's, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's something to recognize and be like, you know, and like evaluate and think about like, okay, maybe this is better than we think i think there's just maybe something about social media that feels so surface level and like disconnected yes. yeah that you just yeah. attribute that to like everything else online but like i mean yeah, i agree you know yeah it's like it depends on who it's with if you're like skyping with your family or whatever like that's dope and you're like hey it's like always nice to see people you love like whatever but i think it's just knowing that it could be more well, you know, what's so interesting is so like, I told a story that I was like, would have been totally fine and have been totally fine telling live, but telling a story that my mom and dad would be able to access live stream or like my family. I was like, um, not sure about <laughs> Like it was, it was, I told a story right. about um, losing my virginity. And so I was like, no offense, but I think my parents might still think I'm a virgin. So can we not live stream? Can we not? It? Is there a way? Friends only? Can we just filter? <laughs> like what? <laughs> I mean, luckily I need. That's so funny. My parents, like, they're not, my mom is not that tech savvy, so she did okay. not access it. But, and my dad is actually a technology teacher, but he doesn't oh. really understand Facebook that great. Oh. So I don't know that he, like I post, I officially posted it on my Facebook page okay. and my mom responded to it like it was a text, like she always does. And it's like, <laughs> oh my, I love you. You go girl, rock it out. But like, <laughs> she certainly did not click on the link 
and listen because I don't think she knows how to do that. And my dad characteristically only looks at Facebook at two in the morning. So it was too late for him. So I did (laughs) have like, right. I had a cousin, one of my cousins uh, was on the live stream and I was like, Oh my God, what is she thinking about this? Um, But she was, I mean, she was very loving and supportive. Everyone has, everyone who's reached out to me has been kind, but I was a little (laughs) bit like, Ooh, like there's, there's a, it was a high level of exposure. Like, I don't know that I've ever, I haven't in a very long time, um, since I like started doing stand up in the last few years, like I hadn't had that large of an audience. Like I've done, I've performed like plays for large audiences when I've done like regional theater. Oh, cool. But I'm not, um, it's not me telling my story. Like that's like a Shakespeare story or like Velveteen Rabbit or something like that. But sure. me um, performing comedy or like storytelling, I'd never done in, in that large of a space before. A hundred percent. And in front of family about right. you know, that right. subject matter, which is like so... <laughs> Which is so interesting. I mean, I'd love to dive into your to your background a little bit, if that's okay, because that feels like a good sure. segue of like talking about like family and like co- how the comedy comes into play and like I feel like I got a little bit a sense of it a little bit just from, based off of <laughs> you know <laughs> wanting to keep some stuff private, which I totally get. I mean, that's normal regardless. Um, but yeah, like how do how does your family feel about you being a stand up? And then like maybe talk about uh, your yeah how long you've been doing it. Sure, sure. Well, um, my family overall is incredibly like loving and supportive. And uh, my dad loves to tell me all the time, like, this could be a bit, this could be a bit. (laughs) And um, I like they're, they love it. And actually, my cousin got married on Valentine's Day. And my aunt had asked me at Christmas, like, would you be open to like, maybe doing some comedy at the reception? And I was like, Oh, wow, that's I thought it was so sweet that she offered. But I definitely did not feel like I, it felt like it would be a hard room to do comedy in because people are expecting, um, you know, wedding stuff to be happening. And like, (laughs) to try to, I'm like, what kind of a room? Like, is there a stage or is there not a stage Would there be a microphone? People are coming in and out. I was just like, I feel like, thank you for asking, but I'm going to decline. You know, but like, they're very supportive and like, they're always like sharing my Facebook posts about stuff and like, um, like if I get a write up, they're like, my cousin is doing this and my niece is doing that. And so they're very, they're incredibly supportive. Um, That's great. And I, I started doing stand up probably like maybe like 14 or 15 years ago. Was wow. The first, time. The first time I went to an open mic, I took like a, what? I took a stand-up class with uh, Jim Mandrinos at Gotham Comedy Club. Hello. And um, the very first place I ever performed was at Comedy Cellar. Yes. <laughs> it was like so long ago that like Comedy Cellar used to do a weekly open mic. Very and cool. They definitely don't do that anymore. Um, but <laughs> yeah. like, so I went to my, I went to the open mic on like a Monday, Tuesday. And then at that open mic, they would draw out of a hat, like somebody whose name would get picked. And then they would get to actually perform on the Friday night show at like eight. Wow. And so at my very first 
open mic. I got pulled out of the hat. Oh my so they were God. like, great. See you on Friday to perform in your like very first like professional show. And I'm like, um, I think I've been on, I've been doing comedy for two days, but okay. <laughs> for and two so- full days. For two <laughs> days. Right. Oh my God. So I have a, I have a comedy seller credit. Um, but <laughs> That's it so feels- cool really like unearned but whatever and that like um, probably set such a weird expectation you're like oh this is how comedy works success immediately uh <laughs> great <laughs> like such a weird setup like <laughs> very strange so yeah so I did comedy for I probably did it for like a couple of years like basically um doing the whole scene of like barking to get time or I, I did a few bringers, but mainly barking. Wow. And then you'd get on, um, you know, if you bark for New York Comedy Club or whatever clubs that are down in the West Village and the Upper West Side, then you get to um, be on their like seven o'clock show or their eight o'clock or nine o'clock show or whatever. Wow. And then, or like waiting around um, to see like, okay, we have space for you on this show or come back in an hour or whatever. Sure. Um, and so for I do that. Who who don't know what barking sure. is? That's like where you go, and you're like, "Hey, you want to do a comedy show?" Exactly. Right. It's like pros. It's like prostitution, <laughs> except my experience. It felt like soliciting um, people to um, engage in a sexual act with me, um, except oh, it was no. comedy. Right. And for me, it I felt. Um, it just felt hard. It felt difficult. So I've barked in like the West village and then Times square. Right. Um, and I did that for a few years. And then it, at that time, like the market was not, I didn't, I didn't experience it as an indie market. Mm. Um, so there wasn't, there weren't a lot of independent shows sure. in my, from what I could tell, like my, me and my friends were kind of just like trying to get on the regular um, at the regular clubs. And then like, occasionally there might be something at like the tank where they did, um, like once a month or once every couple of months, there would be like a, like an indie show. Sure. Um, so I didn't feel like things were moving very quickly for me. Like I did get a college show once, which was great. But, um, after a few years, I just started feeling like, Thing, there wasn't a lot of momentum or movement. Mm. So I, I kind of put my energy into writing, just like screenwriting and uh, playwriting. Mm-hmm. And, and how long were I, you doing it for stand up before you were like, oh shit, there's no movement here? I felt like I was doing it for like two or three years. Okay. And then I. And how old were you here? I was, let's see. If you won't like to share, but I feel like sometimes it's helpful to know like where people are at in, in life. Yeah. You know? I don't mind sharing. Let me just take out, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, let me just take out a calculator. I'm honestly <laughs> taking out a calculator. Truly, truly. Uh, let's see. It's so I was in my late twenties. I would 20s. say like, uh, and by late twenties, I mean like between like 27 and 30. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, great. And that's when you're first starting stand up. Yes. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. cool More cool. or less. Like right. I generally speaking, I'm being I'm being general because I'm not exactly sure. Sure, sure. But I feel like it's around that time. Very cool. Okay. So then after that, you're like, cool, like dabbled in this. 
not seeing too much movement, gonna try to write? Well, I don't even think, I wouldn't say I dabbled in it. I was doing comedy. I was performing like, I was doing open mics like multiple times a week and any show that I could get on, I was doing. So right. um, I feel like I definitely was doing more <laughs> comedy than I'm doing now. So I, I definitely wouldn't call it dabbling. Um, I was in it. Like, I just no, no. wasn't, <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't have an agent or a manager or anything like that, but it wasn't for lack of trying. Sure, 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 sure. Um, um, and then I stopped I wouldn't say like I totally stopped. Like I would occasionally do, um, I would occasionally go to open mics or occasionally be asked to be on like a friend's show or something like that. But I mean, I, I started focusing on writing. Okay. Um, like screenwriting kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I would say what got me back into stand up was, I'm like hedging because I'm trying to remember how long ago it was, but it was maybe like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, my uncle was dying. Oh fuck! I'm sorry. And yeah, thank thank you for saying that. I like I was very I just felt a strong connection to him. Sure. And I my mentor, like so I had had this feeling of like I want I have something I want to express, and I'm not really sure how to do it. And I just felt like I kind of, I need to get back on stage and do some stand up about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was talking to my mentor about it and he was trying to help me. Um, he, he basically said like that he thought it was a great idea because, um, like art is turning pain into, um, or that's what art is, is like taking your pain and turning it into something beautiful. Sure. And, um, he's like the best comedy comes from pain and stuff like that. So, I was really kind of just trying to process my uncle's impending death. Sure. So that's like why I started doing it. And I was trying to write jokes. I wasn't trying to get on shows. I was just going to open mics and like working the material about my uncle. Sure. And um, it was largely like, you know, it's kind of, it's heavy. And I was also still feeling, um, upset about it. So it wasn't <laughs> funny really. Uh, but it was like, I'm like, I can get there. I can get there. And this is what an open mic is about. And so I, um, I got my first like, uh, genuine laugh about it on February 13th. And I know this because he wow. died on February 14th. No. And, um, and it was, it, it really felt like, you know, it, on some level, it felt like our souls were connected. It was like, oh. if I can, um, if I can make this funny, like if I can make, bring like some purpose to his life, then it's almost like he can go. Wow. And, um, so it just felt like, so that's what it started out for me back to go back into it. And then, um. And then I just thought, okay, I, let me just like dabble, you know, let me work on this material. Let me go to open mics. And it's just kind of turned into uh, connecting with people. Like, you know, comics are really fun. And so I would go to a, like an open mic and meet some people and they'd be like, Hey, you know, are you going to hit this mic this day or whatever? And um, one of the things I learned from his death was to look at, where are the places in my life that I'm unwilling 
Mm. And um, comedy was a place where I felt unwilling because I, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> like I wanted to go home after work and sit on the couch uh, sure. or like, and cook. I didn't want to like go to Williamsburg and do a bar show or like, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do comedy uh, sure. because it's a very, well, you, it's just like, it's not an easy life, just even physically, just like mm. going to this place, going to that place. And maybe the open mic doesn't even happen or there you go to the show and not, it, the show doesn't happen or there's only the audience, the only audience members are comics or, mm-hmm. um, so I was just like, I don't, I don't want to go back into this. I remember what this life was like when I did this a decade ago and it wasn't easy then. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be easy now. Sure. And I don't even, I don't know the market, you know, like, um, but I, but I was like, this is an area where I'm being unwilling. And uh, I just, I, I kind of committed to doing comedy for a year, just like in honor of my uncle. I was like, I will do it for a year without stopping. Even if I don't want to keep going, I'm just going to do it for a year. Sure. And then I'm fucking done. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> then I, I, then I did it longer than that. But like after the year, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't totally suck. okay maybe i actually really like this and i'm really good at it and i'm gonna keep doing it um wow i got goosebumps that is a beautiful story um and yeah i mean it's it's crazy how life works you know it's like you can go in and out of stuff and for different reasons and different purposes and but it all kind of like i don't know weirdly works out in like this weird Mm. beautiful way but um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about like, I know, um, it, part of your, uh, life is also in law. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'd love to talk about how, um, you as a lawyer, how that plays into your life as a comedian and like when that started for you, like the choice to pursue law and like how you balance. I'm just so curious to know what, <laughs> your, what your time <laughs> is like, your, <laughs> like how you manage your time. Cause if you can do it literally no one has any (laughs) you're literally a lawyer but yeah like how do how do you do it and like when did you decide to go to law school was it before or after you started doing comedy well I um I went straight from I went straight from high school to college and then straight from college to law school okay and so and then um, I went to college at William and Mary and I went to law school at Washington and Lee. So both of those are Virginia schools. And, um, and then after law school, my, my first job out of law school was at a regional theater company. Uh, so I did like, a, I worked awesome. at a Shakespeare. <laughs> it was so fun. Like I worked at a Shakespeare theater, Orlando Shakespeare festival in Florida for cool. their season. So that's about a year doing and like then, law stuff there? No, I was oh. a, I was an actor. You were an actor? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, my first job was a professional actor <laughs> for the Orlando Shakespeare Festival. What? Uh, <laughs> Wait, were, but were you doing that before? Yeah, I mean, I'd always been performing. Like I started okay. acting in junior high okay, and like okay. I what happened is I <laughs> I did a lot. I was like I was, my senior superlative was like most talented for oh. high school. So I was in all the school plays Yay. and I, I'd like auditioned for 
Tisch at NYU and I got in and it was like my biggest <gasps> dream and I was so excited. Oh my um, God. But I couldn't afford it. My, so my parents were like, yeah, you're not going to Tisch. Sorry. No. Um, <laughs> it was heartbreaking for me. Um, oh my <laughs> God. Oh my God. That's insane. So what? So you were like, like you. So then you were like, so so okay. So what happened then? So you were like, cool. I'll go to William and Mary. Yes, also. It is a great school. It's not. It's not. I didn't. It was not a dream to go there. Like I had applied to just like, you know, I don't. I applied like five or six schools, but I was just wanting to get into Tish, and um, and then I. I, I was like, I got into William and Mary as well. And my dad was like, that's a really good school. And I was like, I'm still not talking to you because wow. I want to go to Tish. Oh, yes. I, I Family drift though. Were you so I pissed? I mean, words cannot describe how right. like devastated and hurt I was. I was like, can't we sell things in the house? <laughs> And my you dad was like, you're like, sell my brother. I don't know. I mean, like I, I had no concept of money. Like I didn't understand <laughs> how much things cost. Like yeah. back then Tish was like 30 grand a year. I was like, yeah. can we sell my piano? And my dad was like, your piano is $1,500. <laughs> so like, yeah, but it's not going to help anything to do that. And I feel like, I mean, Tish was oh. going to give me some money. I think they were probably going to give me like half, but it was still like mm. more than, it wasn't enough. And sure. I didn't, I'm glad I didn't understand loans really. Cause if <laughs> I was, if I had known that I could have taken out a personal loan in my own name, I would have done it, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even understand. I had no concept of like money. Sure. Whereas William and Mary being a state school and, that I was from. And it was only like, I think at that time, if you're in state, it was like 12 or 13 a year. And, um, and they also gave me money to go there and I got grants and scholarship. It was just like, in my parents' mind, it was like a no brainer. Um, Not to say like, I didn't, like, I didn't care where I went. I wasn't going to Tish. It doesn't matter where else I'm where I, I am going, I'm just not going to Tish. So who right. cares? Right. You're like, um, honestly, whatever. Right. Right. Exactly. So, cause I also, I also got into UVA oh, and I great. don't, I don't know why I just, I just was like, William Mary, whatever. It's close to where I live and whatever. I'll go. Like put me in a basement. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. My life, my life is over. <laughs> my life um, is over. Oh my so. God. That is insane. So did you study theater at William and Mary? That was my intention. Like my, uh, I intended to be a theater major, but then, but it's a liberal arts school. So, you know, I had to take other classes. So my first semester I took like theater classes, but then I also took some government classes Okay. and, um, and I loved them. I was like, Oh my God, I love this. Like I really loved talking about like politics and economics. And I just love discussing that. And I, and I had loved doing it in high school as well. So I decided like, okay, I guess I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna major in theater. I'm actually not even gonna minor in theater. I'm just going to, I, I majored in government and I minored in economics and psychology, wow. but I, um, but I performed in the, the college's improv group. Okay. So we, and I also did plays there. I did like Shakespeare there and 
Um, so I was performing pretty much every night of the week. And then during the day I was getting to talk about like economics and I was, so I was like a pig in slop. I was like, this is great. I love this. And that is so insane. That's so cool. Wow. So you're like all (laughs) left and right brain, just at full capacity, just like, ah, exactly. (laughs) It felt really fun. I was like, this is great. And I loved my, um, my, my improv group. We were like a little fraternity and Mm -hmm. um, I still love them. I, 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 yeah, I'm still in touch with them. Actually, one of them has a show, a live streaming show tonight that I'm going to try to be on to watch. But, um, yeah, I still like, they say, I get emotional thinking about them because they like saved my life. It was just, it was a hard time for me. My parents got divorced when I was in college. And so I was just feeling so many emotions and they really being in that group, like they saved my life. I love them. So no matter what they do for all time. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's, I can like, yeah, that sounds like a lot to go through during that time. Um, for sure, for sure. And like that divorce on top of like not pursuing the thing that you wanted to do and like trying to figure out this new path, like that's, and just going to college and like not knowing who you are or like, so not Mm -hmm. formed at all. We're all like, Mm -hmm. ah, Um, (laughs) exactly I was like drunk for two years like I don't remember anything um but (laughs) yeah like that's it's a really confusing time so that's cool that you found a community to sort of help um help support you that's amazing and it's cool that it was comedy related and that's yeah I didn't well I didn't think I was funny before like I didn't do comedy in high school um I just was like I'm very serious and I'm very (laughs) dramatic and that is who I am um, but I got this like intuitive feeling when I saw my, the comedy improv group perform and I was like, I'm not a comedian, but I think I can, I'm going to audition. Um, and so I didn't, I found out that I was funny in college. Um, <laughs> and then after college, I had thought about applying to like an acting conservatory and, but I'd also applied to some law schools. Um, obviously I decided to go to the law school. Sure. And, um, and then while I was in law school, my third year, I did a play in the undergrad. Like I got cast in a play they did. Cool. Um, Cause like your third year of law school is pretty chill. Cause your first year, very stressful, but like mm-hmm. your third year of law school is pretty chill. Cause like, you know how the system works and you, you know how to take their tests. And so it's pretty relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that was my experience. And so I was able to do, theater and then I also talked to my my law school about um like my career counselor there I was like can I talk to you about applying to uh acting jobs or do you only do like law firm stuff (laughs) can I like give you my headshot and like what's up (laughs) so my law school was like no dude like you talk to me like if you want to work at a theater I will help you with that Cool. And so they, like, she was like, I don't really know that much about it, but I am available. Oh my so God. I like auditioned for um, something called SETC, which is like the Southeastern Theater Conference, where basically you go and like a performer goes there and they audition in front of like hundreds of theater companies at once. Wow. And then that way, if somebody wants you, they can, you know, you don't have to like, spend the time to go to each individual regional theater sure and um 
that an Orlando Shakespeare festival was there and I auditioned and then they, you know, gave me a call back or whatever. And I auditioned separately in front of them. And then they made me an offer to be an actor at their theater for the season. Wow. And how did that feel? That was like a shock to me. And I was like, I, like, I was like, (laughs) this is so crazy that I just graduated from law school and I'm going to be an actor. And I felt like I was ruining my life. I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) But I was God. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting that like this opportunity that it's almost like parallel to like the Tish experience, except this one's like actually like, Hey, you can do it. And then, but like now you're like, what in that moment you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want it. Exactly. And I was having like, I, my, I was driving down to Florida. My mom was in the passenger seat asleep and I was, um, like holding the steering wheel and I was just like, (laughs) being racked with fear as I'm like driving and I was like what am I doing like this is crazy like (laughs) what am I doing and then I shit you not like as I was driving into the state of Georgia like over (laughs) the Georgia state lines the song why Georgia by John Mayer what so and I was like oh my god this is a divine communication like this is the divine telling me (sighs) that you're doing the right thing because like holy shit <laughs> why holy shit my favorite song but it's all about living like the choruses am i living it right like am i Ooh. living my life right and i was like and i love john mayer and so i was like the song already had significance to me before it came on the radio and i was just like oh my god like okay this is what i'm supposed to do oh even though my. it feels crazy <laughs> so. the universe was like here you go here exactly. you go like how beautiful <laughs> you're in the state you love the song it's about your future oh god i've had goosebumps for 30 minutes i just want you to know like this whole this is, this is just cra- this is crazy isn't life fucking nuts yes but what is cool <laughs> what's so cool about your story is like you it seems like you're just like following like following your like gut and like your interests and like letting things sort of like fall into place like you're like oh I went to college and like I liked politics like I kind of like dabbled like not I keep saying dabbled you like obviously <laughs> bad word to use it like you, you like did that and like and then pursued it you know like obviously to the most full extent and but then like you know you didn't fully close the door to your other interests and I think that's really interesting and cool because I think sometimes it feels like if especially with like law or like being a doctor it feels like that's your identity and like your your like career path and like that's the only thing you can do but it's amazing that you were still able to be like no like I I mean I have this degree but like I still am a creative person and like want to do that and you let yourself like you know into that world or like find opportunities for yourself I think that's really interesting oh thank you Yeah, yeah I it yeah it felt like all right, let's, let's see where this goes. I mean, it was certainly moments of being terrified, but <laughs> you're like, when I look I back on it, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I was full of fear. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And then after that season, I auditioned for, um, the Shakespeare theater in Washington, DC. So I got onto that, um, show I can't remember the name of the show right now I think it was was it the Scottish play 
it was a Shakespeare show and like um I did that show and then uh they asked me to come back but I had this feeling that I should go to New York which mm. I don't know if I made the right decision because whatever but I was I ultimately turned it down and decided to move to New York mm. and then my first, it was in my first few months of living in New York. I was like, I want to take stand-up comedy classes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I hadn't, I, I hadn't taken a bar exam yet. Um, okay. But I, so I was working as a paralegal for Merrill Lynch. Mm-hmm. And then I um, signed up to take a stand-up comedy class. And wow. uh, that's how it got started. Holy shit. Oh, and then after... Yeah. And then after my first year of living in New York, I, I quit my job at Merrill Lynch and started studying for the bar exam. And then I took the, like the, the bar, the following, you know, like month or whatever. Like I, I took the bar and then I passed the bar and then I started applying for law jobs. So I started doing stand up before I was a practicing lawyer or before I was like, like legally allowed to practice law in any state because I had never um I had never taken a bar exam before so my I started doing stand-up before I was actually a lawyer wow wow okay holy shit um (laughs) and when did you move to New York how many years ago was this I feel like it was about like 15 years ago or 16, like 15 or 16 years ago. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. And that's, and that's okay. So now we're linking the story to when you're start like doing stand up, like, and, and going to mics and all that. Right. Right. Okay. And then taking the bar. Okay. 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 Copy, copy. Um, after I want to know what happens after that, I do just want to circle back to one quick detail you mentioned about auditioning for acting conservatories and applying to law school. Um, Mm -hmm. were were you also accepted into conservatories and then declined or how did that work? That I did not audition for any conservatories. I just applied to law school. And then after I, then after I got into law school, my, I was saying to my dad, I was like, actually, you know what? I don't think I should go to law school. I think I should apply to acting conservatories. And my dad was like, you are literally killing me. He was like, (laughs) Because the law school that I got into, Washington and Lee, was ranked, like, number 17 in the country. Wow. And my dad was like, you got into a top 20 law school. You need (laughs) to go to that fucking law school. Like, they recruited you. They had, like, recruited me, sent me a letter, offered me all this money. And I was like, you know what? I don't think so. And my dad was like you're going to this law school. He's like, you can be an actor at any time. You don't have to be an actor right now. Wow. And do you agree with that? Like, are you, were you on board? I mean, obviously you did it, but were you like begrudgingly doing it? Or were you like, yeah, this is the right move? Cause you did say you were interested in this stuff. So it's not like it was like totally dragging your feet. At least I don't think. No, it wasn't. It wasn't totally dragging my feet. I love talking about this stuff. Like I was, I was one of those annoying people who sat in the front of the class in, in English classes and government classes, like raising my hand being like, here's what I think about this. And here's what, here's what this country should do about that. And so I did love it. I was conflicted though. I was like, I don't know. Um, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Okay. Um, but like in hindsight, I feel fine with it. I feel like it was the right decision because I, after getting over my 
initial terror, my first year of law school, I did really enjoy it. I oh, had thought good. it was, a, I thought it was a great time. It made me a much better writer and, um, it just, I really enjoyed it. And I think that, um, from what I learned, like one of the things I learned my first year when I was working at the Orlando Shakespeare theater, the artistic director said like, people don't realize this, but in order to be an actor, you have to also have another job. Like yeah. that is the reality for like 99% of actors. So if you want to be an actor, you also need to have another job that you can do to support you financially. So yeah. whether that job is waiting tables or it, whatever it is, but like, that's also part of being an actor. Mm -hmm. um, so it's cause I had had the experience for a year of working at a job below my um, interest level. Like mm -hmm. for a year before, when I moved to New York, I was like, or actually like, like I had had jobs where I was a paralegal, but I also had jobs where I was a receptionist mm -hmm. or job jobs where people were not giving me things that were intellectually stimulating for me. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. Like it felt, um, it felt like boring and it made me sad. Sure. I was like, I need, uh, I need to be engaged during the day in a particular kind of way, or it's just not going to be fun. Sure. Um, and like the jobs that I had when I wasn't practicing law during the day were, it, it just, it made the day like not as fun. Sure. No, that makes total sense. And that's a great, like, again, great segue to, so your, your current setup, which is that you are a full-time lawyer and full-time comedian, um, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. And so how does that like work? <laughs> like, well, I, you, yeah. Like <laughs> what's up? <laughs> well, generally like how it works is, um, when I, when I get off of work, like as a, like I work a law job, like during the day. And so that means I'm either in court or at a deposition or in the office, like, um, like negotiating or, um, litigation basically I do wow. that during the day and then in the evening I will go to like rehearsal for my sketch group or I'll go to like a stand-up show or I'll you know yeah that's what I, like that's what I do in the weekends and on the in the evenings what and how long are your days as a lawyer usually they're not that long I okay. mean when I was I'm a trial attorney or I'm officially my title is senior trial attorney. And, but when I was, um, doing like most of the, my trial work, um, I've tried approximately 30 cases, 30 jury trials. Wow. So most of that, that yeah, I, I'm going to take the wow because it's hard as fuck. It's really yeah. hard. It's very scary. Um, <gasps> so, but most of that was done while I was in the writing phase of my life mm -hmm. where I was like writing screenplays and stuff like that. So um, it was, I wasn't like, it was easier. Cause like you can, while you're waiting for a jury to come back, you can be writing. And while you're um, like, you know, waiting to argue a motion, uh, you can be writing. 
Um, so, cause there's a lot of like downtime where you're like, okay, I've read the motion. I'm supposed to argue and it's going to be an hour before the judge calls me up and I can't leave the courtroom and I've right. got a pen and I've got a notepad of paper. Okay, great. So I'm just going to start writing. Um, what? So in the like, courtroom, you're like interior scene. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nice. So, that's crazy. So I think that's what helped. And then in the last few years, like when I've been doing stand up, my job has moved to be, I don't do trial work as much anymore and I'm mainly negotiating. And so I think from a performative standpoint, it's not as draining. So I think it's, it probably helps that I'm like, not like quote unquote performing in court. Cause although I say quote unquote, cause I don't perform in court, I'm being totally myself, mm-hmm. um, which is why it's so draining right. <laughs> when I, when I've done that. But um, yeah, so I think it, because I'm mainly negotiating now, I think I have the, like the physical energy to be performing it in the evenings. Wow. And when you say negotiating, like what kind of negotiations are you working on? Um, we, at this phase of my career, I'm suing people to get reimbursed for money that we paid out or that money that I think that my clients should have okay so I'm basically saying like this is how much money I think you owe me and how much are you going to give me and um often you know the other person's position is I'm going to give you nothing or I'm going to give you as little as possible and my position is I want all of it or as much as possible and uh (laughs) and like the back and forth of that and uh I really love negotiating. I love getting money. Like I'm not, I don't get any of it. Like I don't get a percentage (laughs) of it, but I didn't realize how much I like getting money, like taking (laughs) money that I think is rightfully owed to my client. I love doing that. (laughs) That is so fun. And is it like, is a client like they could be in any industry kind of thing? It's like whatever. Yeah. Like it's, it's regular people, right? You know, it's like regular people. And, um, I like my clients are, it's twofold. It's like my client is like the company that I work for, but then it's also the individuals that, um, hire, like that work with my companies. Okay. So, um, yeah. Holy shit. And then when you were doing trial stuff, was that like for the state or for a private company? It was for a private company. A private company. Okay. And it was for, it was civil. It wasn't criminal stuff. Civil. Okay. Okay. So I was always, so I was on the other side of the table. Then I was trying to give as little money as possible. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you don't deserve any money. Get out of my face. Um, Those are all legal terms for anyone who's wondering. Get out of my face. It's like like tort, but different. It's a whole thing. But, um, you know, who has time for that? Exactly. Oh my God. That is so, I just love, I also like love how, while you were talking about that, you literally talked about like how writing a screenplay is like downtime. Whereas like all, <laughs> a lot of people I know are like, Oh my God, like who has time to write a fucking screenplay? Like what? And you're like, Oh, like during court, like <laughs> when I'm not busy, I do this, which is like not that hard. And I feel like everyone's like, it's so hard to do that. It's just like that mindset is like amazing to me. And which explains why I think like part of what, like, seems like what makes you tick is like the ability to like manage your time so well and just be like yeah like I'm doing it now and not like overthinking it too much you know yeah Um. I mean I have a (laughs) I had a really great 
and I still have like really great screenwriting teacher and, um, and she really like, I, I'm, I respond well to like rules. And so she would say like, you have to write 10 minutes a day great. and, um, it doesn't have to be good and nobody even has to see it, but you have to do 10 minutes a day. And, um, and usually for me, when I have a story idea, what comes to me is the dialogue and mm-hmm. I love writing dialogue. And so even if it's just on the side of a notepad or my legal pad, like going back and forth, like he said this, she said that back and forth, it's really fun. And it's certainly more fun than waiting to find out if I won or lost because that is scary as hell. It's just like, mm-hmm. did I win? Did I lose? Like, you know, and then I always feel this sense of relief. Like after I, when I finish my closing statement, then I'm done. Like, um, the way my trials would work is like, I do my closing statement first cause I was the defendant and then the other opposing side would do their closing statement last. And so when I'm done with my closing statement, even though the trial's not officially over, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> huge sense of relief. I don't yeah. have to do anything else. I mean, you know, occasionally I could sure. object during someone's closing argument, but it's not, it's kind of frowned upon to do that unless somebody does something super egregious. Sure, but sure, um, sure. for me, it's just like, oh my God, I'm feeling this sense of euphoria because the hard part's over and <laughs> I just feel so delighted. I'm like, I'm going to write, you know, it's just like, it's such a freeing experience. Um, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Um, holy, holy moly. I know it's, um, we've been chatting for a minute, but I like can't stop asking you questions because this is amazing to me. I feel like there's there's just so many people who I think have feel like the pressure around like what career to choose, how to balance this stuff. And I feel like this, I think you're the first person who I've talked to who has like a full like career with a capital C Mm. is like, and doing comedy, you know, like lawyer or doctor, like something that's like very much like a thing. Um, And I think that's amazing that you're able to do that. Um, You spoke a a little bit about having a mentor and then like, and then like, having good teachers and it sounds like that's something that has helped like shape you and like your your ability to to do stuff is that something that you value a lot and like having advisors and people who can sort of like guide you absolutely it's totally critical like I would not be able to do any of this if I didn't have um, my mentor like my spiritual mentor like he's like amazing and Mm. um, I talk to him weekly if not more and I get so much, like so much from him. And I, I, yeah, you just have to have it. Like, I mean, I feel like I definitely have to have it cause I wouldn't have any direction. And I think the thing that my mentor has done the, the most for me is to let me connect to my intuition and to show me when that, when something is intuition so that I can replicate that. And the way he showed me initially was like based on my courtroom experiences where I would say, Oh my God, like I went to court and this is what happened. And I, and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to say, but then I had this feeling to say this and then I said it and then I won. And my mentor would be like, that's your intuition. Like that's the divine talking to you and telling you what to say and I'm like, oh, that's what that is? And he's like, yeah, like, keep doing that. And so, because, like, he's, it's almost like he's teaching me to fish. 
Yes. So he's like, this because he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not with you all the time. Um, he doesn't even live in the state. So he's never physically with me, but it's <laughs> like, he's giving me like the tools to like know when my intuition is talking to me or communicating with me either in court or on stage. And then I have like the tools that I need to be successful. And, and then also when I'm just kind of like, I, you know, I just need perspective. I feel like everyone needs perspective. It's like it's the same thing with my, my screenwriting teacher. Like I'll bring in something to class. Like I, my very first like feature script, I brought in like 10 pages that I wrote and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is like, this is fun. My intention was this was fun, but this is not, like, I'm not going to go anywhere with this. So I brought it in, the class reads it and she's like, this is great. So what happens next? And I was like, what happens next? Like <laughs> nothing. I just wrote I something we have. I just brought it in like nothing. And she's like, you have very, these are great characters. Like what you should keep writing. And I was like, I, I don't, I didn't really plan to keep writing these characters. And mm -hmm. so it's like, I feel like for me personally, I need like somebody who, um, somebody who I respect and trust to kind of like bring things to, and then to say like, this is something that you should follow. Like right. my, my mentor is the one who said to me, um, when my uncle died, he was like, you know, I, it's an, I'm getting some, an interesting feeling with you and comedy. Like, mm -hmm. It, I think it's something that you should pursue. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Um, even though I'm like, <laughs> you've like, never yeah, been wrong before, but <laughs> I'm not doing it. And, and I was like, and that's the, the unwillingness piece. Cause I was like, I know he said this to me, like he made it, you know, he didn't like, he, he was very clear in his communication. Like I, it seems like something for you to pursue, but mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, I don't want to. It's too scary for me. I don't want to do it. Right. Um, so I personally find mentorship to be like, I, I can't, I couldn't do any of this. I couldn't do my, the stuff I do without it. Sure. And how did you meet your mentor? How does one like find, it can even be like high level, like places to find if people like want that kind of guidance, but like don't know how to well, I mean, if anyone's listening to this is interested in my mentor, they can message me. <laughs> but then like, so what happened is like a friend of a friend, like had yeah. introduced me to mine mm -hmm. and she was, I was talking about like writing or something. And she, and she was like, Oh, like my mentor used to be like a, a screenwriter also. Like he's very cool. Like you should come to like a workshop he's giving. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I never want to do anything. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm cool. Long day at um, court. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like that time at my mentor, like he, um, he was already mentoring like a friend of a friend. Sure. And, um, and I, it's like, I'm never, I never want to do anything and I never want to go anywhere. But like <laughs> what my mentor says, it's like, it's doing the right thing that you don't want to do. Like the right kind of thing. So it's like, it yes because that's what he tells me in terms of intuition like you know it's intuition if when you feel it or hear it you don't want to do it like immediately you're like no and so when Ugh. and that's what happened with this risk show where they were like hey do you want to like can you do the live stream and i wanted to be like no i can't <laughs> but my intuition was like yeah dude you can do the live stream mm -hmm. and i was like 
fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and so it's, it's how, um, it's, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. need the, the mentorship, but yeah, the, if anybody wants to meet my mentor, let me know and I can <laughs> hook them up. That's awesome. No, that's really, really cool. I think having some sort of support system is definitely important for sure. It's helped me too. And I think like, it's just, it's just good to bounce ideas off of people, whether it's like mentor or friends or people who like, you know, know you well, or it's just good to like have that, I think as some sort of benchmark just to be like, am I, am I crazy? Or is this good? Yeah. Like what's up, you know? Um, I think that's great. Um, now that we're actually like nearing toward the end of the pod, um, I would like to ask you just a little bit about your future goals. And like, I, I personally, that mm. gives me anxiety. I'm like, I don't know what tomorrow brings, let alone five years from now, but some people are like good at talking about it. So if you are great, <laughs> if not, no worries, but yeah. Are you someone who like plans? Are you like, yes, in five years, I see myself doing this or like, is there a dream sort of situation set up for you? I, I am not somebody who has the like five year goal or 10 year goal. Um, I, I'm similar, like what you said about me earlier of like kind of following the path and seeing where it goes. That's very much the kind of person I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love writing and I love performing. And so I anticipate that I will keep doing that. But um, I don't know what it looks like. I'm I'm super curious, like what in the world is um, is coming up. I don't know. Um, sure, but you see, I, yeah, you see yourself doing um, both law and um, comedy or performing in some capacity. I think so. I mean, I've been practicing law for about 13 years, and so if if I were, if there were going to be a, an opportunity in comedy that, um, like became like where I would make enough money that I could support myself, but that also would be taking up time that I could not do law, I would be comfortable leaving. Cause I feel like, um, I feel comfortable, like, okay, I feel like I've done a lot with law and I feel good about that. Good. Um, so I wouldn't have a problem leaving the law but at the same time, um, I, I also don't have a problem continuing to do the law. Um, I feel like I've been, I, I feel available and I feel super curious. Like, I'm just like, what is going to happen? Like, um, I occasionally audition for like a TV show kind of stuff. And I've also like, um, you know, there's so many like little like comedy goals people have, like, you know, like a Netflix special or like Mm -hmm. a Comedy Central special or like writing for a TV show or like writing a book or, um, you know, I've shot like a pilot for like a, like a talk showy kind of thing. And, you know, I don't, I have no idea. Um, I'm, I feel pretty open and I have, I don't know. Like, I also think about like, I would be yeah i like i could get like what if i have a baby in the next year and then like it becomes about the baby you know (laughs) no idea no No idea i mean that's what's up i think that makes the most sense right because you never know you literally never know no one could have predicted corona 
You know what I mean? Oh my word. Like what? Like now everyone's, it's sort of like this weird, like even, I don't know. It felt like it even the playing field in a way where it's like, mm-hmm. because no one can do anything it's sort of good. Um, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like cool. Cause we're all just like, ah, but I think like the point there was just like, you really just don't know what is in store. And I think if it's like the more you try to control it, I think the more it just like unravels and you're just like, ah, so Ex- that's absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have personal goals. Like I want (laughs) to be healthier, you know, like I'm take vitamins more regularly and like (laughs) drink more water, you know, things like that. But career wise, I'm not sure. (laughs) That's great. That's really, really cool. And you've had great success with that mentality so far. So I wish you the best moving forward with that because it sounds like it's been working for you. And that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Of course. fun going down memory lane with you yeah oh my gosh this was it was such a pleasure speaking with you truly like i i feel like if i learned a lot personally so oh, that's i hope so it, awesome yeah everybody listening enjoyed it too um thank you so much thank you andrea coleman everybody i mean what a dream what a dream i freaking love that interview i thought that was amazing it's so cool to see Somebody have a f- literally a full career with the capital C and also pursue comedy. Um, and yeah, just just talk about that. I thought that was pretty amazing. Um, Andrea is on the internet and you should follow her and like all of her stuff. She has a website, andreacolemancomedy.com. She's on Instagram, Andrea Coleman Comedy. She Her show, at uh, Woke Laws, is also on Instagram. And she's also on Twitter, at Andrea Coleman BK. So do that. Follow, like, love, do all the things, share all the things. You can also follow this uh, this podcast, How Do You Hustle with Cami Dimitrova. It's on Apple, Spotify, all the things that let you listen to stuff. It's on it. It's uh, weekly now, sort of like whenever. Uh, on Mondays, typically it comes out. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, like, love, support everybody. It's a weird time. We're getting through it. Hope everyone is having a great day. Love ya. Bye.